0: Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Partial Historians, where we are tracing the journey of Rome from the very founding of the city. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Rad. And I am Dr. G. Welcome. Well, Dr. G, you left me in quite a state last episode. There was some serious speechifying going on. There is a lot of speechifying going on, and what I can assure you is That's speechifying will continue <laughs> Excellent. so just to give a quick recap of where we were at last time Dr. G I believe we met a Roman Achilles in your account a
1: Roman Achilles, Indeed. did you know there was one? I, I not. didn't no, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting he is the most manly of men mm. he's the finest specimen anybody's ever seen Absolutely. He's 58 years old ooh yeah <laughs> <laughs> all the scars are on the front mm-hmm. ladies if you're listening that's where you want them to be and most excitingly, for us at least,
0: he's a plebeian.
1: He is a plebeian. Mm. Oh yeah, a veteran, a veteran from a long way back and somebody who, as it turns out, has quite a voice.
0: Uh, when he decides to finally speak in the public arena. Yeah, so what was he speaking about when we when we left him last? What What had caused him to finally break the silence of it seems about 40 years of campaigning? <laughs> he was very upset when he yeah. finally
1: spoke. He was talking about the way in which, even though he had fully committed to the Roman cause mm. for all of his adult life, having mm. signed up at 17 for the armed forces, that even he who had won so many crowns and various sort of accolades Mm. for his uh, prowess on the battlefield. Mm. Even he did not have a piece of land that he could call
0: his own. Mm. This is interesting, isn't it? Because we've been in this period now where there's been a lot of demands for the law about the laws. Indeed. (laughs) Where we want to see some sort of codification happening, at least if we're a plebeian, that is. Yeah, there seems to be a lack of transparency about what the laws are
1: and what the plebeians uh, are asking for Mm. with the help and aid of the tribunes of the plebs is that there be a codification, that finally there should be a public space where these laws can be consulted and it should be transparent and obvious to any citizen, Mm. regardless of their background.
0: And yet... This is not what this Achilles speaks of.
1: (laughs) No, he wants some (laughs) land. And this ties into the other issue Mm. that predates the desire for a codification of laws Mm. that the tribunes and the plebeians have been fighting for, which is the reallocation of public land. Mm. Rome has this concept of aga publicus, the lands that are commonly owned. Mm. And part of the problem that the plebeians have is that they can see that patricians are co-opting that public land for their own purposes. Mm. And they're like, this isn't how it's supposed to be used. Mm. And in fact, it should be redistributed equally amongst the whole population. So fine, the patricians could have some of it, but ideally, it should be equally divided amongst all of the citizens. Mm. So they've been fighting for this for a long time. It feels
0: like upwards of 20 years at this point. Yeah, and it, it is kind of confusing. I mean, we've been dealing with this uh, this ongoing conflict of the orders for quite some time now. <laughs> many, many episodes. And I think that this this dude, uh, who I, I should probably actually use his proper name, shouldn't I, Dr. G? <laughs> Sicius, as we're going oh, to call him. Yes. Yeah. Siccius Donatus. Dentatus. Donatus. <laughs> Dentatus. Yes, yes. Think of the teeth. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is this, this seeming confusion in our source material sometimes about what it is the plebeians are actually fighting for. You know, they, they do seem to switch their, their focus of attention depending on what period we're in. Now, that's not to say that obviously over a period of 50 years that that's not possible, that they are in fact you know, prioritising different things. But a lot of academic sources which I've been reading have pointed out that exactly the problem that we've been dealing with, the lack of really reliable source material for this period. And the fact that our sources seem to be pushing back stuff that happened in you know, in the late Republic, stuff that happened at the end of the conflict of the orders, which is a bit later when there are more reliable records available, and sort of pushing them back into this time period where they don't have perhaps the best records or they're finding it difficult to make sense of the records that they do have, which probably isn't a huge amount. You know, it might be, you know little bit of analytic record but it's probably going to be mostly like you know a few laws and a, you know, a few records of those kinds of those kinds of things and in order to piece it together the only way that they can think to do that is by taking what they feel more certain about and you know putting it back in order to try and make sense of the conflict of the orders right at the beginning which is well I mean <laughs> we're 50 years in but I still feel like we're at the beginning
1: <laughs> yeah and we've got this sense in which like our source material is really particular in terms of who they're interested in. Mm. So we know that Livy and Dionysius of Halicarnassus have a pro-Patrician air about them. Yes, yeah, And definitely. this is partly to do with who are they writing for in its elite readership and what is the understanding of what is going on with the Plebeians. And it's hard to say because they're not keeping their own records. Yeah, exactly. So we're left with a real gap in terms of, like, what is happening and how it is happening. And I think stories like Sicius Dentatus uh, are giving a a narrative way into a challenging narrative. Mm. So I'm super excited to jump into the rest of what is 455 mm. BCE because I left us all on like a bit of a threshold of suspense absolutely and there's still a lot to go
0: <laughs> oh right. boy yeah now here I am feeling like an idiot because I've given you everything I've got for this year already <laughs> damn Livy oh, <laughs> damn him you, and his conciseness <laughs> just you wait it will still be relevant it will all still, right, all right. We'll, I'll bring you back in right, in those moments <laughs> all right so Sicius Dentatus. And I'm going to highlight here, I do know a little bit about this guy, Dr. Gene. okay? Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. I've been doing some reading to try and make up for the fact that... You've Libby been reading about the little. Roman Achilles? I might have been, I might Hello. have been. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> there is a suggestion in one of the articles that I was reading uh, that this name is actually an invention. Well, that seems plausible. How yeah. many babies are born with teeth? <laughs> no, I'm not even I'm not even referring to that oh. part mostly. I'm more referring to the sickiest part.
1: Yeah, well he's it's
0: making me sickiest to keep thinking <laughs> about it, to be honest. A baby with teeth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what has been suggested by academics is that when they when the later sources need to ascribe a, a named particular character, you know, someone who's going to be of significance that if they don't actually know a name, that they're going to basically recycle names that have a certain connection. You know, so that's something that's going to Give a certain star baggage, if you will, to the person, you know, give certain associations to Let's the person. Put a we bit speaking. of an allusion into something that's relevant. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it seems that the name Sicius is very much associated with the plebeian tribunes. And it's a name that's come up in both 494 when we have the first secession of the plebs, when they first basically chuck the toys out of the pram <laughs> and say, We're not gonna be part of this that's system. It. I'm leaving Rome forever. Yeah. Uh, It comes up in 471 when there may have been an increase in the number of tribunes. And then it comes up again uh, at a later date, which will also be significant during the whole, you know, 12 tables scenario, which we're heading towards, um, which is very important for the codification of the laws. And that's that's sort of where we're heading towards. Um, And the fact that he is a warrior, it has been suggested, is something to do with the fact that... um, much later on, during the Third Samnite and the Pyrrhic Wars, there was a character uh, called Curious Dentatus, who was a big, big deal in those conflicts from, from much later on, um, who had also served as a plebeian tribune. Uh, And As as well as being a consul, but we'll forget that. We'll we'll overlook
1: that. So almost we're looking at this idea that for this early period of Roman history where we're not sure about stuff, that basically we have stock characters that have been repurposed from
0: names that they do know from later periods of history. Yeah. Let's do a bit of a a throwback. Well, I mean, as we know, the Romans do tend to have this uh, belief that certain... Uh, families, or I should probably shouldn't say families, more clans, I suppose, share certain characteristics. You know, they're, they're oh, yes. of, the characteristics of a particular gens exactly. are very much bound
1: up in their history and what they claim
0: about themselves. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and that's that's not obviously entirely without merit. I mean, we all know how families work, <laughs> um, but yeah, there is this. Uh, I think they believe in it sometimes too much or they maybe form people's characters too much according to what they believe of a particular games. It's possible that they're trying to draw some sort of, you know, connection between the names here, you know, and that there's, or, or you know, it's say, there's just some sort of characteristic that goes along with this name that people might, you know, pick up on and recognize. And
1: it makes sense from a Roman perspective, I think, because their understanding of individuality is very different from ours. Absolutely. And the gens is kind of the locus of your identity mm. as a person in ancient Rome. So you must have the characteristics of your family. There's just no way to escape it. So people will impose this upon you even if you weren't behaving that way and you kind of fed this narrative about how your family is and you must present that way as well in order to produce honourable acts and to enhance the sort of reputation of your family. So it becomes this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy Mm. about character and also action.
0: Yeah, so it's not to say that this character that you're talking about, this Roman Achilles, is actually related at all to to any of these other people. But the name is obviously giving that sort of connection. And now you're telling me we don't even know if it's his real name. (laughs) Who is this guy? Just when we thought this period couldn't get any more problematic. Anyway, as I don't have much to offer from Livy, I just wanted to throw that at you. (laughs) I think it's very
1: useful information to keep under one's hat when thinking about this early period in Roman history. Yeah. So... Let me take you through some of the things that are, that are happening to this guy. Mm. Um, so he, he gives this speech, everybody's like, woo! Um, so we're diving right in. Yeah. It's, it's somewhere early in 4.55. Yeah. Uh, and the Tribune yes is kind of like, sure, um, that's a great speech. But you know, we can't just you know lock everybody up like you're suggesting and put everybody on trial. <laughs> Unless we hear the opposition. So, like, you've made this speech and mm. it's it's very profound. I find it quite inspiring. You're obviously the Roman Achilles. Um, so thank you so much for standing up here today. Um, but we need to come back tomorrow and hear the people who... Take a different opinion from you, just mm. for balance.
0: Yeah, a bit yeah. of balance. Um, I don't know if the crowd is super excited about that, but yeah, he <laughs> ripped them up into a frenzy, especially once he took his tunic off. Yeah, yeah. Wow, we all saw that coming. Exactly, um,
1: <laughs> and nobody stopped him. <laughs> but the consuls immediately begin to plan their offensive. Mm. From that point onwards, they're like, "Aha, uh, we need to block um, this law." ...that's being proposed. Mm. And this is it's apparently land allotment... ...possibly possibly the law about the laws, or possibly whether we should bring some people
0: to trial. It's not clear what they're against. They're against everything, I I think it's just safe to say the patricians just have a blanket line of no. (laughs) That's how they maintain their position.
1: I'm a traditionalist, and that means
0: no. (laughs) I lead a very privileged life. I intend to continue living a very privileged life.
1: I hear you, and the answer is I don't think so. Um, (laughs) Thanks all the same. We don't want that. Um, So anyway, they decide they want to block this law. Mm. By word or by deed. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's a bit of a step up. No. <laughs> yeah. This never leads to good things. No, no. <laughs> so that's how they start to do it. And the way that they plan to do this is actually to stake out the forum early. <laughs> like waiting in line for
0: tickets at a concert. Kind of.
1: Yeah. Except the patricians get there, but before the lines start for people to get into the space. And they basically set up shop all through the forum. Get the best spots. They're evenly spread Mm. for maximum disruption. (laughs) I
0: love it. I love it.
1: (laughs) That's what they decide is Mm. going to be great. And they basically engage in this process. Mm -hmm. So people come in to speak um, in various ways and the patricians scattered throughout will really raise up when they agree with something Mm -hmm. and make a big deal about it and really try to drown out anything that they disagree with.
0: Yeah, You
1: know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And the tribunes aren't happy and the consuls aren't happy Mm. and the consuls start blaming the plebeians being like you guys started this violence in the first place yeah and the tribunes sort of bite back and be like well it's not surprising that there's some violence because you guys keep bringing up the same stale old boring arguments frankly we're all bored (laughs) of listening to you um so what did you expect yeah, you know how they feel yeah mm. uh, but things then take a really sort of dark turn because then it's time to vote okay. essentially yeah uh, speeches have been had on both sides there's now going to be a vote mm-hmm. what we know about roman voting is not a lot
0: no, and again, from what we can tell of the occasional details they mention, again they seem to be being a bit anachronistic in terms of how they think it's happening. Yeah, I think so, last episode we were talking about the fact that they seem to think there was some sort of like secret ballot happening or something like that. like Yeah, and
1: yeah. this seems
0: to be very much a Greek sort of carryover because mm. the Greeks were doing secret ballots
1: at this point. Yeah, and Dionysius of Halicarnassus really inserts that into the narrative, mm. and we. Pretty sure that's not how Romans voted in this period. Yeah. Not um, that we can be very sure about what they actually did. Yes. How they actually voted. Yeah. Also a little bit unclear. Yeah. There seems to be a bridge involved. Mm-hmm. So there's the ponds. Uh, everybody has to cross the bridge in order to cast their vote. Okay. But we don't think it's a secret ballot. We think what happens is they basically tell the attendant mm-hmm. what who they're voting for, okay. uh, which side they're on. And that attendant marks off a wax tablet. Right. So it's not secret. It's all tabulated, though. Yes. yes, um, And it's kind of relatively private because you've got to cross this ponds, this bridge, in order to give your vote in the first place. Mm. So it's like, it seems like chaos because people are divided up into groups, first of all. So you've got to stand with your group and then each group has to vote. Right. Uh, and then they reveal what the vote's... Were. Right. So there could be a lot of hours of this like That's voting process say, happening that sounds before like anything very, is announced.
0: Very time consuming. Time consuming. You know bureaucratic yep.
1: stuff that the Romans love, obviously. Of course, of course. Uh, the patricians decide to disrupt the process. Oh. Yeah, they start pushing people off bridges. Oh my god. <laughs> You're on that voting bridge. I, it's not a bridge over water, as far as we can tell. It's set up in the forum. It's just like a plank say, or something. say, where is
0: this pond yeah, in yeah, the yeah, forum? Yeah. Yeah.
1: This pond is po- just like some sort of walkway. Anyway, they're pushing people off it so that they disrupting this voting process and people yeah. are then getting angry because they're supposed to vote and it's an issue. Mm. The tribunes try to get involved to like calm things down they're supposed to have uh, sanctity of their body, which mm, means they can't be course. violated. Yeah. The patricians, uh, the young patricians who are mostly involved with this, Ooh. very, very carefully make sure that they allow the tribunes to do whatever they've, they want. They've got their switchblades. They've got <laughs> their hair
0: greased back. They've got they their do. leather jackets on. Yeah, I know those young patricians.
1: Young patricians, you yeah. cannot trust them. No. And they allow the tr- tribunes to do whatever they need to do. Uh huh but they then go back to pushing people off the bridge when they're not looking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Young Christians.
1: It is a mess, to say the least. Yeah. So, no, regardless of how this all sort of pans out, it's not a surprise at all that the law, whatever it is that they're trying to pass at this point in time, does not get passed. No, no. Um, it just can't. <laughs> yeah. No. So what is interesting at this point in the narrative, though, mm. from Dionysius of Halicarnassus, is he refers to... Three families of patricians being intimately involved in
0: this disruptive process. And in- if you say Claudius, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> wait for <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Patience. Okay, Patience. Okay. I
1: mean I know I know the temptation. Yeah, uh, so. <laughs> Alright, I'm, wait- I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's possibly worse than that because okay. what we get is a reference to the postumii. What? I know. Yeah, I mean, out of nowhere, really. We haven't heard of the Postumii for a while. The most notable Postumius that we've got in our back catalogue at this point is the dictator who defeats Tarquinius Superbus at the Battle of Lake Regulus. Well,
0: I was going to say, he's, ge- I mean, sure, he's still a part of the elite, but isn't? aren't they generally known as being friendly to the people? Yes. Posthumous. Anyway, they've decided to side decide with the consoles on this one. <sighs> well, I mean, yeah, they're still elite. They're still patricians. Yeah. But... yeah, you can't discount that. Yeah, but they just wouldn't—they wouldn't have been what I thought of like the main family, you know.
1: But no, but <laughs> I, I think this is all—it's all part of a plot by. Dionysius to do some other things okay. with his history. Right. Um, this is less about what might have happened and more about what Dionysius wished was happening. Wow. Well, and doing some name dropping for mm. some contemporaries potentially. Okay. He also mentions the Coelii oh,
0: games. Okay. Also Patrician. Yeah, yeah. We haven't heard of them for a while either. But they would have been very prominent around the time that Dionysius was writing. Mm. Correct? Yes. 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 Yeah. Um and Famously, at this point in the history,
1: if you're a Roman and it's 455 BC, you're thinking of somebody like Gaius Cloelius, the last king of Alba Longa. Ah, yes. And once that is, uh, once that monarchy is sort of deposed, the Cloeli family shift to Rome and sure. become Roman. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. But then, perhaps most awkwardly for Dionysius at this point in terms of historiographical business is that he also mentions the sempronii as a family of patricians
0: okay and again a fairly well-known family in the late republic as a
1: well-known family in the late
0: republic yeah. and not patrician yeah
1: the sempronii are plebeian big time and they do not become patrician yeah until around about the same time the dynasty of is writing
0: I'm very suspicious, (laughs) Dr. G. My hackles are raised.
1: I would be suspicious. Because not only are we trying to get to an understanding of what is happening in the early Republic, but there's some obfuscation that seems to be now
0: coming through in Dionysius' account, which I am displeased about as a historian. Well, I mean, look, this is, I mean, really, this is just what we were just talking about, isn't it, with Sicius? It's, It's about taking names and pushing them back or, or taking names that have a certain association that you want and inserting them where, you know, it makes sense to, um, for the person who's writing, at least if not for people like you and I. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and definitely trying to elevate the Sempronii to a patrician gens way back in this early period when we know within living memory that people would be aware that they're a plebeian gens big
0: time. Um, That's where the Gracchi come from. That's how they can be tribunes in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, we we should perhaps uh, highlight here that the reason why we're particularly fixated on this family is that it's this family that the famous Gracchi brothers who are very tied up with this whole idea of land allocation and distribution and caused huge troubles in the late Republic. A lot of the stuff that we think is influencing the account of this period by Livy and Dionysius because it's just such a big deal um, and it's, it's such a, a huge moment in the, in the late Republic that's why it's really surprising that this is the family that is being mentioned right now. Yeah, yeah, turning everything on its head. Really. Who do you trust? Who do you believe? <laughs> well, right now I'm feeling pretty good about Livy. <laughs> <okay>. Fair enough. <laughs> I
1: would stick with Livy and his three sentences. <laughs> uh, so, what? happens as a result of this is obviously mm. the laws can't pass and everybody's pretty unhappy. The plebeians obviously getting pushed off the voting bridge is not, not a pleasant <laughs> Not experience. a great look, no, no. Not a great look. Um, knowing that there's a whole bunch of high-profile patrician families involved that have allied themselves directly with the consuls of mm. this year, also a big issue. Yeah. And the tribunes then gather and decide how they're going to navigate this. What action do we take from this point onwards? Sure. There's yeah. been some huge violations. <laughs> yeah. And they decide ultimately to go after these patrician families not to go after the consuls directly Mm -hmm. but by going after these um, high-profile families that currently aren't in the top-tier magistracies that maybe they'll be able to wrangle a better kind of justice. Okay, yeah. So um, they're thinking about how they will go about doing that and Sikius starts to, he's like, I've got some things to say here. I'm like, why is he at this meeting of the (laughs) tribunes? Never you mind. (laughs) He is there. He's yeah, he's like, I'm here. Um and I think this is a great idea. Let's let's do it. Let's go after them. Mm. So they do. And this becomes a kind of a broader issue because Mm -hmm. then we've got this religious element involved. So you've got sacral laws that Mm. are related to how the Senate and the assemblies can meet and how voting procedure is supposed to happen. Ah. These things are supposed to be done in the eyes of the gods, and this disruption by the patricians is seen as an offense to the gods. Clever. So that's going to be that's going to be the angle that they pursue here. Yeah. They also make what appears to be a strategic decision Mm -hmm. that they're not going to go for the maximum penalty okay of these people but they're going to go for the minimal penalty okay which will be uh, that the estates
0: of these patricians will need to be consecrated to Ceres that is interesting because i've been i've been as i've been reading a little bit about it and our listeners might recall we spoke a little bit about um, a land Land deal that was struck um, that involved the Aventine. I can't even remember how many episodes ago. I don't it, was think only, it, brought... it
1: was only a couple of years ago in Roman terms. Yeah, exactly. Where we yeah, now.
0: and the Aventine is also where there is a, a temple to Ceres. If mm. I am not much mistaken. In fact, it has even been suggested by some modern scholars that the name of the law. Doesn't make sense in terms of the way that Romans would normally name the law. Like you wouldn't normally have Achilleus's name associated with that particular law about the land. Yeah, okay. yeah. And therefore, rather than being perhaps, but nonetheless, the fact that all these accounts include this, even though it seems that they're handling it really awkwardly, and they, like we've just been talking about, they don't really seem to be able to understand exactly what it was about or what it was trying to achieve precisely. Um, that this might have been to do with actually making sure that the sacred lands for the cult of like say for example the cult of Ceres was well and truly demarcated and that's why there was that bronze that bronze um yes I can't remember what was it not not tablet yeah yeah but there's there's this bronze thing that is yeah an inscription that's talked about yeah yeah yeah, exactly um god what's the name for it I can't think Not pylon. (laughs) It's like a bronze... No, it's a column. It's like a... That's right. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, the bronze column might have been there to set up, not just to... You know, it wasn't just about the plebeians and land. It was about these particular areas on the Aventine. So it's interesting that there's that connection there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in a way, Ceres relates to grain, which you could see as another connection to land allotment as well. Well, it also, I think what's what's also going on i think in this time period that we probably haven't mentioned for a little while but it's definitely something to 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 bring up again at this point in time it is widely believed that this period of like the middle of this century was a pretty terrible period in you know for, for most people to live through not just in terms of there was all this arguing constantly about the law about the laws but more in terms of um it being a a bad period for rome in its in its development um as in a tough period to get through uh, obviously with the the enemy you know the other rivals that had all around us but also in terms of famine and just general wealth and prosperity this was not a particularly good period and there is some sort of, there, there are mentions. I mean, you guys probably remember we have mentioned very, you know, various episodes that there was some sort of famine or some sort of pestilence or, you know, some sort of weird prodigy. Like, there are definitely signs in the written records that this is what is going on. But also, um, There is archaeological evidence or rather a lack of archaeological evidence that suggests that there's something else going on here, um, which is that there seem to be no temples built in the middle of the century. There's some built at the beginning, you know, right when we see the establishment of the Republic, there's some built at the end, but there doesn't seem to be much temple building going on. Um, in, this, in this sort of middle part right now. And it's also in terms of the the kind of, um, the kind of pottery and the, the kind of things that the Romans seem to be able to, to purchase or trade. There seems to be a real lack of that going on. So overall, there seems to be archaeological evidence to suggest that this is a real, really tough time for Rome itself. And the cult of Ceres would be very much connected to that if we're talking about this being a time of famine, you know, with a lack of grain. Yeah, and by
1: making sure that uh, estates are consecrated to Ceres, you're Mm. freeing up money basically to purchase grain. Yes. uh, And to hopefully stockpile. And we've seen from the way in which even our narrative sources are going backwards and forwards, where it's like it's constant warfare. Absolutely. And it's like this is not a time where progress is very possible. And no. You're constantly on the back foot. You're looking outwards and being defensive and yeah. trying to figure out how you're going to survive, essentially.
0: Yeah, and that's what we really see Rome constantly doing, isn't it? Um, I mean, the, the written accounts are trying to obviously account for where Rome is by the time they're writing. And they're writing with the knowledge that Rome will become this great power. But as we've always sort of put as a footnote... At this point in time, that destiny is by no <laughs> that means destiny clear. is not at all clear. No, and often, I mean, often when we have these really brief accounts of battles, um, where you know the Romans just go out and conquer, you have to you have to imagine, as most modern scholars do, that this is the Romans trying to basically restore their military reputation after they have suffered something terrible, and it's it's not. That many years since that weird incursion <laughs> where the Capitol was seized, um, where it seems that that was basically an invasion. It's not been that many years since that happened, realistically. So, yeah, the Romans are well and truly ringed by rivals at this point in time, and they all, all the other military accounts we have of them going out and you know and seeing so things. It's not to say that they're necessarily made up, but there probably is a certain amount of fictional. I think there has to be an element of fiction about this. Yeah. And where these stories
1: are coming from, that they even dominate our narrative sources, I think is fascinating. Yes. And is this part of, like, a bigger oral tradition about how Rome came to be, mm-hmm. and where did these stories come from? Are they maintained by various gens that they're telling stories about the honour of their forebears and things like that, and the troubles that they faced, for them to end up year on year in conflict essentially? Uh we haven't gotten to the conflict of this year yet in diagnosis <laughs> of halicadassus, but we are about to. I'm
0: jumping like, ahead. Yeah, I'm jumping <laughs> No, no, ahead.
1: you're not jumping ahead no. at all. But like, even to confirm and back up what you're saying, we're about to get into a military phase yes. in another year. Yeah. Uh, and it's becoming increasingly tiresome for everybody. Yeah. Uh, the plebeians are over it on every level at this point in time. So taking us back to this idea that they're trying to set up this trial to punish a bunch of patricians, but they're trying to keep the punishment itself low. Yes. Um, but maybe useful. It's not the <laughs> principle
0: of the thing, Dr. G. Yes. Yeah.
1: This is a new tactic for yeah. the tribunes, I would have to say. Mm. And the consuls apparently decide to let the trials proceed. have Yes, very. And I was like, well, we all know where the power lies now, don't we? Um, as if we didn't know. Um <laughs> Anyway, this seems to mollify everybody. Mm. The population does calm down. There's some trials. People are found guilty. They have to consecrate their estate to Ceres. Mm. In a classic patrician move, though, those estates don't stay in the care of Ceres for very long. (laughs) Oh, God. They are immediately uh, ransomed out. So the idea is that the estate is consecrated to Ceres. Then the temple administration would then on-sell those estates Mm. um, in order to get the cash. And immediately they are purchased by friends of the patricians and returned to the original families.
0: Oh my god. So it's
1: a money-raising exercise, and they do raise money from it. Sure. Um, But... Nobody, the patricians don't actually suffer that much except for having to pay some of their cash to get their own goods back. What a racket they have going on! (laughs) Oh, the life of the rich and famous.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that, I mean, this is essentially what the plebeians are fighting against and what that why they're making so little headway. But also, this is kind of like exactly what they need to do if they're going to have any cash to look after themselves. They've got to find a way to extract it from the patricians. Oh, yeah, look, this, you're right, you're right in the sense that. It's a good strategy but i think it just that 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 regaining of their estates just highlights um and th- this is something that was really interesting that i was reading about the fact that the patricians in rome what they do such a good job of is being there for each other being a solid block against the against whoever their enemies are i mean <laughs> It seems as though the Pelvians really only emerge as a group in reaction to the existence of this group of incredibly privileged people who have the ancestry, who have the education, who have association with religion and religious offices. Uh, all of all the privilege that they have, which just makes it, you know, makes it easier for them to hold on to their privileged position. Um, and if and because they seem to decide again and again to choose each other and stand firm it's it's so hard for anyone else to penetrate and that's potentially why we get the emergence of this group of the you know that we're calling the plebeians this is other people who don't have that same level of everything else that these guys have got and we have to assume that the plebeians that we're talking about in this
1: period, the ones that we see involved in this stuff, yeah. have to be pretty well-off plebeians. Yes. Like, we're not talking about everybody from the Roman countryside in who live in absolute poverty yeah. being involved in this politics. They don't have time. They're subsistence farmers and they're yeah. just doing the best that they can and then a levy comes about and they get swept off their farm. Yeah. We're talking about the people who are rich enough to be living in the urban area that is developing, that is Rome. Yeah. And also. So are locked out of a lot of the privileges
0: that these families have stitched up. Exactly. That's exactly it. Because you have to be, I mean, this guy we're talking about, Sikius. If, if he's been serving in the capacity that I imagine he's been serving, then he must have enough wealth to kit himself out to fight. And so that's exactly it. We're talking about the people who aren't as well off and seem to therefore not have access to the same kind of life. That these patricians have access to, because they they're just on another level with their privilege, and and a lot of that seems to stem from the fact that right from the beginning, the patricians seem to have had this this religious connection, this this function to religious offices or religious rites, which gives gives them a particular aura and particular authority. Ah, the, the
1: mystique of religion. It is. It uh, really well, Cicero does yeah. talk about this as just yeah. being a tool for control, um, but it seems that. Beyond that, there is perhaps even more to it, um, because it seems that most citizens take it pretty seriously, even plebeians, and yeah. it is used against various people, um, regardless of who they are as well. Mm. Um, so, and we're about to see an example of this, but yes. just you wait. Okay. Guess what? News from Tusculum. Ooh, (laughs) this is is where I finally
0: come in with something to
1: say. (laughs) Yes, I've put in brackets, the convenience, a parallel with Livy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So some Tusculans arrive and they're like, Oh God, the Aquians have been coming for us uh, with a large army. We need your help, (laughs) please. Uh, the Senate makes a very unusual decision, as I think Livy also notes that both consuls should go to the rescue.
0: Yes, that is correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So our consuls for this year, just as a reminder of where we're at, our consuls are Titus Remilius mm. and Gaius Viturius. Yeah. And both of them are getting sent out to Tusculum, which is in the sort of southeast. Mm. So they're, they need a levy first. Can't right. go by yourselves. Don't just send the consuls. Two men against all of the equians—that would
0: never do. And this is the classic sticking point, usually. Although, <laughs> although to admittedly, you know, nothing is really mentioned in my account. This isn't a big deal, but this is usually a sticking point for the plebeians. This is a sticking point yeah. for the plebeians. Mm. Um, a levy is announced.
1: Uh, all citizens are summoned to arms. The tribunes oppose. <laughs> excellent, excellent, classic tribune move. Yeah. yeah. They say not only that. They're not going to allow any punishments that are usually ordained by law for resisting the levy to be inflicted on those who refuse. And I feel like the consuls say, oh, yeah, you and (laughs) whose army? Then the consuls, then the Senate gets together and they say, wait a minute, you can't do that because by the gods. (laughs) Um, So essentially that citizens who are willing to take part in the expedition. right. the preservation of the fatherland uh, are propitiously seen in the eyes of the gods so the senate is like here's the deal if you do this thing the gods will look favourably upon you Mm. woe betide anyone who deserts the consuls for they will be seen Unpropitiously
0: in the eyes of the gods. I feel like a very similar argument was used at the beginning of the Crusades. <laughs>
1: mm. Would you want to displease
0: the gods? Yeah. Okay. This yep. scares a
1: lot of citizens into accepting the levy. Sure. Uh, fair enough. And among those who rock up and be like, "Yes, we need to fight," is none other than the Roman Achilles. Nice, Sicyus. <laughs> And he's like, I will fight for Rome, as I have done many times before. Not only that, I've raised my own legion of veterans. Check out these
0: old dudes. Wow. You see, that that shows some influence. You know, that that shows he's got some pull. And I mean, why wouldn't he use Brad Pitt?
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. he's pulling out all of his old friends, and everyone's like... (laughs) <laughs> let's do it cranky old man <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't want to fight another battle but uh if sickius asked me to you know i'll be there <laughs> um so they all get together and so this really then encourages everybody to get involved mm. seems a bit of a turning around for sickius because he was kind of like i fought a lot of battles guys and i'd really like something for it but when push comes to shove he's like the first one there
0: that's why they like him so much, though. Is that's yeah, this is why
1: he is loved and adored yeah, exactly. by the other soldiers yeah. and the plebeians in general. So, they head off. Um, it's, they get to Antium uh, and the Aquians are nearby. Mm-hmm. So, not as close to Tusculum anymore as previously thought. Mm-hmm. Antium's a bit more near the coast. Yeah. Um, so be it. Uh, that's where they find them. And then they camp out and it's a bit of a standoff and the Aqueans attack first because they get annoyed at the Romans not
0: doing anything. <laughs> Essentially. We'll smoke the Aquians out. We'll smoke the Aqueans out.
1: Yeah, and the Aqueans are like, I'm
0: bored. <laughs> I will
1: attack them. And they do. And there's lots of battles, but it seems like the armies at this point are pretty well matched. And Interesting. And there's not a lot of headway made by either side really? in these initial conflicts.
0: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. See, yeah, if you read Livy's account, it seems effortless on the behalf of the ah. But I feel like this has a lot to do, as I was sort of referring to earlier, with the fact of who they're coming to the aid of. Mm. You know, the Tuscalans are the ones that apparently helped the Romans out during that time when the capital was seized and the invasion was happening. And so I feel like, you know... It, it's this is Libby's way of being like, yeah, don't you worry, we pay yeah, them back. We got you. Yeah, yeah, we pay them back ten times over. Yeah. We save those guys. Yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, things are about to get interesting because okay. Titus Ramillus, uh has the fast gaze. Right. Um, two consoles, one battlefront. Um, day by day, the leadership has to switch between the two of them. <laughs> Such a waste of energy. Just <laughs> gonna say that. Yeah, well, things have got to be fair. We do not want a king. Yeah. Um, the patricians do not want a king. Yeah. So Titus from Millis has the fast gaze and he's like, yeah, it's my turn. He's like, I've got a new plan uh, for dealing with the Aquins. Mm. This is how it's going to go. Sikius, come here. Sikius is like, what's the plan, buddy? Um, you're my consul. Let's do this. And he's like, so what I want you to do, Sikius, I want you to take your legion mm. of uh, hardy men and I want you to go around the back of the Aquian camp and take the camp from behind mm-hmm. and I'll attack from the front and basically it will be like this amazing pincer maneuver um, where the bulk of the force will be coming at my end but then they'll turn and run and then I'll be able to slaughter them but you'll be also able to capture the camp and also take them out from that
0: side as well it's gonna be great I'm just gonna flag that this sounds like a suicide mission. <laughs> it sounds like the consuls are trying to bump Siccius off. Sicyus believes this as well. <laughs> right. That is exactly the way he interprets this plan of attack. But wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me guess, because he is, of course, a Roman hero. Even though he suspects that he's being sent to his death because he's a troublemaker, He does it anyway. Well, he tries to get out of it first. Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, I suppose that's just sensible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Ramillas basically is like, this is going to be easy peasy. What (laughs) do you say? Sikius is like, you know the Aquians have the high ground and there's only one road up that hill, which is the one that they're going to run down to come at the front of your army. Mm. It's going to be a suicide mission for me to try and take my legion up the back way where there are no roads. <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> Why would you do this? Um, let's say that you're right and all of their forces run down the hill at your army. Mm. I mean, what are the chances that some people would stay behind to look after the camp? Chances are, those forces are going to be better than my old legion. Yeah, I like these guys. These guys are good, but it's fair to say that you know, between the lot of us, we're on the wrong side of the, yeah.
0: of age oh, for look, this kind of endeavor. He's been serving for that many years. I take his uh, I take his word on military strategy.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's like, basically, I think this is going to take more men than you think it will, and I think we shouldn't try to surprise them. But we should go with more forces on the back end and go for an open attack. And just do a proper pincer movement. None of this surprise business up the hill. Mm. Well, Ramillus gets nasty. Uh, He turns big time. He whips out the Imperium, does he? (laughs) Ooh, boy. He's like, but... Um, there's no need of so many words this is worth reading out in full yeah. but if you can bring yourself to obey my orders go at once and do not play the general <gasps>
0: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. here we go that is a deep
1: <laughs> if you decline the task and run away I shall use other men
0: Awkward. (laughs) Awkward.
1: Awkward. So you've served for 40 years. Your body's covered with wounds at the front. So you can either leave now and never see an enemy again and everybody will know that you're a coward
0: or you can do what I'm telling you to do. You don't do nothing for me, Brad Pitt, so you can take (laughs) your silver foxiness and get the hell out of my face.
1: We're all bored of your stories about the spoils that you've won in war, tiresome boasting that it is, and now it's a moment of real
0: danger, and what are you doing talking back? Whoa, this <laughs> dude, he's, he's doing what I always want to do when I get into a fight, which is saying the most cutting thing and really coming at him. I have a grudging respect for him, even, even though I feel the sick he is. <laughs> He's like, you're a braggart.
1: That's all you are. You you're not practicing bravery in reality, only in your
0: imagination. Well, okay. I mean, slap, just, slap. Let's just remember, he does have literal scars on him. He does, yeah, he does, yeah. But he's ba- he's just had this massive dressing
1: down from yeah. this guy. Oh, that's going get... straight for the weak spot of his us. <laughs> yeah, if that doesn't get Sikius on side, I don't know what will. Well, Sikius is like, okay. <laughs> um,. Before you either destroy me or yeah. make me into a mere nobody through yeah. this shame that I'll incur to my reputation, yeah. I will go. I will do it. I feel it so. Let me, let me stand firm, though, and make it openly known that you're sending me not to a doubtful death, but to a predetermined one. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. They're cool. And I'm not a coward, mm. so I'm going to go. Um, but I want these fellow soldiers, um, you know, sort of <laughs> gestures to his legion behind him. The audience
0: that we have to this yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Bear witness uh, for me to the rest of the citizens that I fell a sacrifice to my valour and for my great frankness
0: of speech. Ooh. The Romans, I guess, going to be going nuts to this guy, right? Yeah, now. yeah. I feel yeah. like there's
1: some javelins being crunched together, you know, like yeah. there's a raucous that would happen at this point. And he's got tears in his eyes, apparently, according mm. to Dionysius. Um, he then goes and embraces all of his great friends in the front row of the legion.
0: <laughs> and let me guess. He also writes a letter to his wife. <laughs> Dear Lucretia. <laughs> Dear Mrs. I, yes. I came here hoping to put aside political difference in the name of this great nation, Well, <laughs> But what I find instead sad. Lacking in leadership. Nonetheless, I will do my duty. Yours, sickest. Hopefully, in my
1: courage, when I die, you'll be granted a piece of land that I worked <laughs> so hard for you
0: to have. Think of me as you plow the fields. <laughs> Poor man. For it shall be my blood and bones that fertilizes that plot of land. For you, your ever-loving, Dan
1: <laughs> p.s if you find my teeth keep them <laughs> they're my fame and glory
0: <laughs> the okay, poor sorry.
1: man the um, poor man, just... <laughs> The lamentations uh yeah. are being held there is much crying there is much hugging between soldiers yeah. um those homosocial relationships need to be upheld yes. in this time of crisis oh yeah well yeah um, but don't you worry. Sikius has a cunning plan. <laughs> yeah, he comes to save the day. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> he marches off with his legion. He's like, all right, got to follow orders. Come with me, guys. As soon as they get out of sight, yeah. he stops them. And he's like, okay, basically, this is this is crazy. But I reckon there's another way. So... Rather than taking the direction directly mm-hmm. that Romulus has given us yeah. and taking this weird route around where there's clearly no roads or anything. Yeah. What we're gonna do is we're gonna find another path. Okay. Uh, we're gonna be more strategic about this. It's gonna be great. And they got lucky. Um, they find a farmer wandering around who's heading home, they capture him, take him prisoner. They're like, You man, you know this area. And he's like, Unfortunately I do, yes. <laughs> Please don't kill me. Here I was
0: throwing my hills and you've just ruined my day. <laughs> yes. Um, I was just trying to
1: get home. And they're like, yes, yes. But what about that hill over yonder? And he's like, what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> like, where can we get up it secretly and with great stealth and cunning? And then he's like, oh, oh this you. There's there's another path. Don't you worry. Um, so that's handy. Absolutely. In the meanwhile, Romilius is like, well, I've sufficiently, um, you know, shamed uh, Sicius into doing my bidding it's time to attack the Aquians that's frontward attack <laughs> let's go for it yeah. <laughs> the Aquians are like ah, and they run down the hill Fair that enough. Yeah, yeah, so Sicius goes and takes the Aquian camp um,
0: ah.
1: yeah he does um, the strategy that they come up with with their captured farmer seems to work out mm. they find a way in where the Aquians weren't expecting them and they come upon the camp and it's mostly empty but Most of the forces are down on the plane by the time they get there. Right. So they're like, cool. So we take the camp. So the Aquians realize that um, they need to retreat from that front uh, uh, line. And as they do, they start getting cut down by Romilius' forces. Right. And then they encounter Sicius' legion. And so they're very unhappy. Mm. Um, It's not a great time. They lose the day. Yes. So fair enough. But... Um, Sikius stands out from amongst the men in his Legion as being the greatest of the warriors. Of course he does. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's the teeth. You know, everybody's <laughs> afraid of the teeth. Just flasher, <laughs> dazzling whites. It's just like, ooh. Um, and everybody in his legion is absolutely in love with him by the end of this because well, sure. he saved their lives yeah by coming up with a different plan yeah um they've won the day yeah and they all thought they were too old to do it and i'm getting too old for this <laughs>
0: yeah yeah they call him their father their preserver Ooh. their god okay okay they, they if they don't want to put a, t- a target on this guy again they just gotta ease back of it There'll be no easing up. Uh, you
1: know the Roman Achilles will get his
0: due. Oh, but the consul's gonna hate him more than ever. You're like a god to me now. <laughs> I wanna have your baby. <laughs> I just wanna be taken in your golden shower. Oh, yuck.
1: <laughs> anyway, so what <laughs> does Zeus? Thi- that's a Zeus reference, everybody. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sicyus is getting a lot of love from his men. Fair enough. Mm. But then he comes up with what is going to be his most cunning plan of
0: all. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, wait for it. So he is still full of resentment
0: uh, about having said to his death. They did try and kind of assassinate him in a roundabout way.
1: (laughs) Yes. And he has decided that he is going to take the
0: glory of victory away from... The patricians. Okay. Well, I mean, sounds like he's got a reasonable claim for that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but this is a big thing
0: to do because,
1: and he gets the rest of his legion to agree to it, Uh he's going to take away the capacity for there to be any spoils. Okay. This is essentially what these battles are
0: about amongst survival. The next thing that they're about is spoils. This intrigues me because I'm just going to remind you of some of the detail from my previous... Uh, From our previous episode, because I kind of used all my detail that I had then, so it I'm absolutely gobsmacked that I have no mention of this character whatsoever. Which again, just Livy is really letting it down. I mean, this guy's amazing. But it also could potentially be that this guy is made up by (laughs) Dionysius. I'm just going to put it out there. How dare you? (laughs) Well, yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll come to that in a second. But anyway, regardless of this guy's historicity or not there was detail in my account that they took a huge amount of booty as a result of this these, this campaign and that the consuls actually sold this, which the army were furious about, but they felt they had to because the treasury was in such dire straits. Oh, So okay. I'm just going to highlight that that's what Livy says happened because mm. I feel like this is going to be in opposition to what you're about to say.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean we don't care about the state of the treasury, at least Sikius doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. And he the, the fact that he gets his legion to agree with him about this action, because they help him, yes. um, is fascinating, I think, because this is something that we've not seen before in our source material. No. So perhaps it's unbelievable, but it's also I think incredible at the same time. But they decide to not take any prisoners. So they basically go through and systematically slaughter all of the aquians that are left alive at the oh. end of this battle. <laughs> I thought you meant they were going to let them run free.
0: Well, no. <laughs> to send them off to a farm. You know, no, so. <laughs> because
1: then they could still be captured <laughs> no, no, as slaves. Yeah. Uh, part of the way that you generate spoils in these is battles so is to indie. take yeah. slaves, yeah. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So they kill all of the men. Not only that, they kill all of the horses, Oh. kill all of the beasts of burden. Oh my god. And they burn the entire camp so that none of the treasure, in, like if there was anything valuable around, can survive.
0: Wow, that is a bold move. It is
1: it, incredibly harsh.
0: Yeah, moves. I mean, horrible, horrible. Yes, but...
1: uh, the, yeah, the slaughter of animals in particular is yeah, very I mean, it's, upsetting. It, it's absolutely horrible, but also... And the slaughter of the Aquians is also outside of the bounds of what is normally considered acceptable in battle in this region Absolutely. at this time. Well, as
0: I say, just obviously ethically, it's... Ugh, but also the size of the balls on this guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well,
1: oh, <laughs> he's got to drag those balls back to Rome I now. I was going to say, is he going
0: <laughs> to take his tunic off and show me
1: exactly what he's packing? So they they destroy everything. <laughs> yeah. And then they quickly march to Rome ahead. They don't go back to the main camp.
0: How could they do that with no one seeing?
1: Well, the Aquian camp is at the top of the hill and the Roman camp is at the bottom of the hill. Ah, okay. And the Romans have gone back to their camp and they've assumed that the Aquians have been subdued and gone back to their camp, right, but right. have lost the battle. Of course. Um, but Sicyus has stuck around, murdered everybody. Oh my God. And then done a quick march back to Rome without rejoining the main force. Bloody hell. <laughs> it's incredible. And he takes this tale to the tribunes with a bit of a spin. Uh, Which is... They forced me to do it. Well, which is that that was a decision of the (gasps) consuls,
0: essentially.
1: Porky pie! Oh my (laughs) lord! What is going on with Sigus? Yeah, a decision to swindle
0: all of the soldiery out of the spoils. I take it back. It's not in opposition to my account. But it's a lie. <laughs> my account is based on a lie. All the truth. Who is telling us what's going on? He's only told one lie. No, but I mean, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? It's a big lie, but it's it's just one, it would seem. But that that honestly either means that my account is based on a lie or yours is.
1: Yes, yeah. I think so. And so he... So Sikius goes... To the tribunes and tells them this. The tribunes are like, you need to tell the people. (laughs) Let's set up a meeting so they get all the people. Uh, Presumably the consuls have yet to return to Rome. They're still on their way home. Mm. He tells the tale again in the forum. Just talks about the nature of the battle, and whether he talks about, I'm not. It's not clear to me whether he tells this lie. Like, that it was the consoles rather than him. Mm. That's me trying to make an inference about what's in the source material. Sure. Because when he said it's describing the nature of the battle, Mm. is he describing the way in which he was set up? And then the way he got out of it? Yeah. Or is he talking about something else? Mm. I mean, it's going to be pretty clear that the consoles are going to come home with no spoils. Well, yeah. Because there's none to be had now because he got rid of them. Exactly. And he talks about his own valor. And he's 800 veterans. Yeah. So they're presumably in the crowd. Maybe some of them are up on the roster with him. And he talks about um, how they were sent to be slain, how they took it, and that, you know, essentially this, this huge sacrifice has been committed. Yeah. You know, we've come home with our lives and our arms, but we've brought with us nothing else. Wow. Nothing else. Um. Or the things that we've captured, we've brought home nothing. And it seems like the implication there is that he's leaving it up to the audience to
0: decide who destroyed the spoils. Well, I mean, it would be completely logical to assume the consul would have had to have some part in that. I mean, yes. there's no way they're thinking that this guy that took it upon Sikias himself it to, to this up.
1: Yeah, thing. and I think he leaves it open enough, which is why I think he's he's told a bit of it
0: an alive a mission here. I was going to say, that's the cleverest thing I've <laughs> ever heard of, even though I hate him for killing all those animals
1: (laughs) yeah yeah there's not a lot to do at this point except that the people get understandably righteously angry on his behalf because once again he's gone out he's demonstrated his valour against all of the odds has survived and he's got nothing to show for it again yeah absolutely and there's, there's just nothing so this obviously leaves the patricians in a terrible situation in terms of their reputation yeah. with the general populace.
0: Definitely. <laughs> um,
1: so the Senate seems to be pretty displeased. Mm-hmm. Um, Dionysius now wraps up the year pretty quickly. From this point, you'll be pleased to know we're nearly there. Um, <laughs> the Senate doesn't award any triumphs, even to no. the consuls, even though that they've technically won. Um, And it seems to be bound up into this issue of the lack of the spoils Mm. and the controversy associated with that. Yeah. And the populace are credited with rewarding Sycheus in the only way that they know
0: how, and that's why I'm making him a tribune of was, the plebs. I was going to say that. Yeah, of course, of course, he is going to be the tribune of the plebs. He's
1: the tribune of the plebs now. We, we
0: just have this history of every now and then, you know, some hot plebeian <laughs> rocking up and becoming tribune, inspiring the populace. Yeah, and yeah. now they've put him into a position where he can do real damage. Oh God, <laughs> I don't. Even, I just. I just can't even imagine how this is going to, to play out. I mean, when the consuls... Are the consuls back at this point in time, or he's beat them back? He's beaten them back. Right. That seems pretty clear from the trajectory of the
1: narrative, because they don't get to respond to his narrative. No, I mean, it just... Gosh. By the time they get back, it's kind of too late. That's what I mean.
0: Walking into
1: this story is just crazy. To yeah, me. and you could, you could try to deny it, but that story's got too many legs at this point. <sighs>
0: wow. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, Dr. G, you have absolutely bowled me over with this story today I didn't think Sikius could get better than he was last episode but I think he has so that brings us to the end finally of 455 and that means Dr. G that it is time for the partial pick
1: (laughs) (laughs) Igor is feeling unwell today my friends but never you mind
0: The Romans can potentially win themselves fifty golden eagles, depending on their performance in our categories. So, Dr. G, our first category is military clout. Well, I mean, I yes, think, I feel like
1: we have to give them a, like a solid
0: ten. Well, the weird thing is, in my account, I definitely wouldn't. I mean, they—they. <laughs> they, in fact, I think even last episode, I think I only gave them like six because it just seems like such a yeah, you know, we conquered these people, whatever, kind of battle. Yeah, the usual. Well, it it seems to be more what happens with the spoils. That's the thing that Livy is talking about. But this whole episode changes everything. So, yeah, I I feel like maybe, I don't know, like a nine? Yeah, let's do it. All right, nine it is. Okay, what's our next category? Diplomacy. (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't think we can really give them much for that. I don't think they've done a lot of diplomacy, really. No, no. Okay, so I think that's probably a zero for that, yeah. Okay. Expansion. Well, they haven't really gained any territory. I mean, they're just... No. They're just helping out Tus- the Tusculans and yeah. fighting off the Aquians. So, unfortunately, no territory added Rome. <laughs> Weird to us. Well... I feel like Sikius has got a lot of weird to what's going on right now. He does. He does. It's, it's, it's just so weird. His deception... And the slaughter is just weird, but you're right. It's still pretty amazing as far as the Romans' understanding of Wirtus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, if
1: you're a plebeian right now, the end of 455, you're just like, this
0: dude, <laughs> <Yeah>. my God. <laughs> he's he's Brentford and George Clooney rolled together. <laughs> yeah. I cannot resist him. Well, I think we probably have to give a 10, don't you yeah, think?
1: I yeah, I think so. Yeah. And finally, the citizen score.
0: Huh. Okay, well, I mean I feel like there isn't actually a lot that's really happened for the citizens that is good. You know, not not nothing that's actually gonna change their life. He got pushed off a bridge. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. They <laughs> they had their voting disrupted, Sikius is being dissed. Um but but he is they at got least levied
1: against their will. They did,
0: they did. Um, but they did at least win and I feel like they did get Sickius's. For being tribute. So I feel like it's not a zero. Mm, maybe
1: a two or something.
0: I think a two. Yeah. All right, Doctor G. That means that out of a fifty possible Golden Eagles, the Romans have scored themselves twenty-one. Oh wow! <laughs> considering considering that they got zero for a number of categories, that's no, actually pretty impressive. Not actually, not too bad. Yeah, yeah could definitely be worse. Ooh, well, Doctor G, I think I need to go and lie down and dream of sickiest.
1: <laughs> well. I'll catch you next time once you've woken from your beautiful slumbers. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Partial Historians. I'm Dr. G here with a huge thank you to all our patrons whose support helps us bring ancient Rome to life. We'd like to send our thanks to... Justine, Dana, Savannah, Nick, Joel, Alejandro, Sharon, Jacob, Roman, Sean, Gunnar, Paul, Theodore, Tamara, Zara, Mark, and Adri. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll catch you next time.